We have been looking at the life of Hezekiah, at this point the best king of uh, the nation that Judah has ever had. He's torn down the high places, he's trusted in the Lord, he's kept the commands of God, the Lord made him prosper. We've seen Hezekiah is enjoying the benefits of trusting in the Lord rather than relying on Egypt or turning to and trying to pay off Assyria. Hezekiah's prayed to the Lord and the Lord is answered by by doing the impossible, routing the Assyrian army, sending them away. 185,000 are killed in a single night. The king of Assyria returns back to his palace. He's killed by his sons. And we see another just a great moment in the life of Hezekiah as God has worked this great miracle. And we're going to see another great moment in the life of Hezekiah that, that the Lord wants to share with us from 2 Kings 20. And it continues to give us these pictures of this amazing God who is responding to this, this righteous king. In chapter 20 of 2 Kings, and in verse 1, we read that Hezekiah becomes sick and he's at the point of death. Middle of verse 1, Isaiah the prophet comes to him and says, you need to put your things in order, put your affairs in order for you are going to die and you are not going to recover. Look at what Hezekiah does. Hezekiah verse two turns his face to the wall and prays to the Lord saying, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. An interesting scene unfolds where Isaiah comes to tell Hezekiah, okay, your, your, your time is done. And after hearing that news, it is interesting that Hezekiah doesn't just accept that and go, well, okay. And it, maybe it helps to realize Hezekiah at this point is only 39 years old. And so he's not that old where you say, well, he's been reigning a long time and he's now pushing 60s or 70s, which in the ancient world was, was very old. And you don't know, no, he's, he's still midway through life. And so he turns and he prays to God and notice that he prays about how he's walked before God in faithfulness with a whole heart and has done what is good in God's sight. I I believe that the reason he's saying that may very well be to indicate this is the best king that has ruled over Judah since David is what the text has told us. Remember, his father is a terrible king. He was putting his children in the fire, offering them up to God, was pushing wickedness to all new levels in Judah. And Hezekiah comes on the scene and has reversed all of those processes, torn down the idols, torn down the high places, things that no king in the past had ever done before. Remember, even tearing down the bronze serpent that had been used as an idolatrous practice thing. We were just like, I didn't even know that was going on. Mind blown. And Hezekiah tears that down as well. And you see Hezekiah saying, I've walked faithfully before you all of these years. And then is begging the Lord for, for a continuation of his life. We don't have time, but you'd be worth your time to go to Isaiah 38 sometime this week. 
And read what happens in Isaiah's account where Hezekiah gives a description of what was going on in his mind as all of this unfolded and describes the outcome of all of that. And one of the things that's interesting in the mind of Hezekiah is he turns in that Thanksgiving song in, in Isaiah 38 is he turns and he sounds like he wants to continue to praise God and to be able to thank God. He'll talk about how those who are in Sheol, the grave, can't honor you or praise you. In fact, implying I want to stay alive so I can continue my righteous rule and continue to thank you and continue to praise you. And only with that mind would it make sense for what we read in verse four. That Isaiah, as he's leaving the court, says the word of the Lord comes to him and says, turn back, verse 5, and say to the Hezekiah, the leader of the people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city on my own, for my own sake and for my servant David. You notice God responds, and so I don't believe it would be fair to look at Hezekiah and say this is a totally selfish prayer, because I don't believe God would have responded to that, but rather is wanting to continue the righteous rule, and God then immediately tells Isaiah, and says, turn around and tell him 15 more years of life. And notice part of the message is that God says, I'm going to continue to use you. You're going to deliver this city out of out of Assyria's hands and I'm going to be with you and bring about this victory. And I'm doing this to defend my city for my own sake, as well as my servant, David. Now, I think something really interesting that is what is said in this paragraph that I want to zero in on for a minute are the words in verse five. Where it says there, as Isaiah turns to give this word the Lord had given, the first words there after it says, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. And the reason I want to slow down on that is to catch that how much God pays attention and God cares. To be able to say, I've heard your prayer and I, and I see your tears, that God listens and he cares. And thus with that in mind, that God declares what he's ultimately going to do for Hezekiah. And again, to see the character of God who listens to our prayers, who when we are crying out to him and when we are moved with emotion, that God sees that and hears that and responds to that as he does here with Hezekiah. And the response that's given at the end of verse five, on the third day you shall go up to the house uh, of the Lord. And we've talked about many times the third day is symbolic as a day of rescue and a day of deliverance. Like within the book of Esther, when we studied that, it was the third day that was going to be rescued. The prophet Hosea, perhaps on the third day, God will raise us up and restore us. And of course, the resurrection on the third day, because it is always an image of reversal, deliverance and rescue is going to happen. And so here it is pictured again, Hezekiah, on the third day, you're going to go to the house of the Lord. That's going to be your deliverance. And I'm going to add 15 years than to your life. You have to love that even God says, uh, I'm going to let you choose a sign 
to, for, for you to know this is going to happen. Hezekiah says, how am I going to know this is going to take place? Uh, I, I, this is a, a mortal illness. I'm about to die. How will I know? And so in verse 9, Isaiah says, so would you like the shadow to go forward or go backward? Which one works for you? <laughs> and that will be the sign to you. And Hezekiah says, well, going forward's normal. Let's make it go backward. <laughs> Back, backward would really be something. And so that's exactly then what, what happens. And the shadow, verse 11, is brought back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. What I want you to see in the life of Hezekiah, this is the second time God has answered powerfully in the life of Hezekiah. First, when it looks like Jerusalem is done for, the fortified cities of Judah have been captured. You have the Assyrian commander saying, you better go ahead and forfeit and surrender or you're all going to die. And Hezekiah believes in God and God rescues. And now you have Hezekiah told, you're going to die. You're not going to survive this. And he prays to God and he's granted 15 more years of life to to act in service to God. God powerfully responding again. And I wish, I wish that at verse 11, it said, okay, chapter 21, let's get on to the next king. But no, unfortunately, we're going to see now the restoration of Hezekiah lead to a massive, massive failure. And so God now reveals What happens next? After this great restoration, essentially taking the death of of Hezekiah and bringing him to life, is that he's destined to die and God goes, no, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to give you life instead. We're told in verse uh, verse 12 that the Babylonians hear about this and they send these messengers and envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah uh, because they'd heard he was sick. Verse 13, Hezekiah welcomes him. And as he welcomes all these Babylonian uh, envoys and messengers in, uh, he starts listing some of the things that he shows them. In the middle of verse 13, it says all his treasure house, the silver and the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouse. And it says there, there was nothing in his house or in all the realm that Hezekiah did not show him. And then verse 14, we're told Isaiah, the prophet comes to Hezekiah and says to him, what these men say and where they come from. And Hezekiah said, they've come from a far country from Babylon. Verse 15, he said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming. When all that is in your house and all that which your fathers have stored up to this day shall be carried to Babylon, nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not if there will be peace and security in my days? So, As the Babylonians send all of these people to basically big congratulations to Hezekiah. We knew you were on your deathbed. We're sending presents, sending gifts, sending letters. Put it all before him. Hezekiah says, yeah, look at all of my wealth. Look at all of my riches. The chronicler describes that God had made Hezekiah extremely prosperous and extremely wealthy during his reign. And so he shows him all the wealth that has gone on in, in the land of Judah and in his storehouses. And Isaiah then comes and says, do you show him everything? 
Well, then ultimately one day it's going to be taken away to Babylon. The king's account gives us the impression, the implication that Hezekiah did this proudly, that they come and the discussion is not what a great God we serve and how God has rescued me and healed me of this great disease, but rather look at all my stuff, look at all my things, look at all of my riches and all of that. And the chronicler wants to underscore that, that that is exactly what we are looking at. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 31, the chronicler says about this event, And so in the manner of the envoys of the princes of Babylon, who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, God left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. This was a test moment. When these messengers all come from Babylon to Hezekiah, God takes a step back and says, let's see what Hezekiah will do. And now that I've healed him and I've rescued him, what will Hezekiah do now when all of this crew from Babylon all comes and gushes over him? And sadly, the words of verse 25, I think, resonate and will be the driving point of what we'll talk about tonight. Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. This is a, a, a chilling scene and a, I think a startling response from someone who has trusted in the Lord, who has shown great faith and who knows that he was about to die. And the Lord has sent a prophet to him. Get your affairs in order. Your, your death is, is, is imminent. And for God to listen to Hezekiah's prayer, rescue him from death, give him new life, 15 more years. And the text says, but he did not respond to the kindness shown him. He did not make return according to the benefit done to him. This is a very big deal to God. So something that you see pop up quite a few times in scriptures. I'll give you one of the parables that Jesus told as an illustration of this issue that God has about not making a return according to the benefit shown. You might remember Jesus told a parable about there was this man who had this really terrible, unpayable debt. And he begs for mercy of the king and the king basically waves the debt and sets him free only for that person to then turn around and have someone who owed him far less who was in debt to him. And rather than forgiving his debt because of being forgiven the great debt he was given, remember, he treats him harshly, throws him in prison, and the king is outraged and puts the debt back on him and puts him in prison. And in that parable, you're seeing the problem of you were forgiven much and you're not returning the benefit. You see what God did for you and then you turn around and you're not doing something of similar kind. God is troubled by that is that there is constantly this picture given to us that we need to respond to the kindness of God that we need to use the blessings of God and the benefits of God and all that God does for us and use it for good and use it for God but one of the things that you see the scriptures always telling us is that unfortunately, rather than responding to the kindness and returning the benefit, we often take the blessings and become proud. Isn't that interesting, the wording of Second Chronicles 32.25, that it said that he did not respond according to the benefit, and his heart became proud. 
And that's so often what happens is that we have all of these blessings and all of these good things and all of this prosperity. And rather than understanding how it comes from God and being grateful, we become proud. Moses warned of that in Deuteronomy after saying that you're going to go into the land and you're going to eat and you're going to be satisfied. You're going to have possessions multiplied to you. And then he warns them in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 14. But he says, then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He says, what's going to happen is God's going to put you in the land and you're going to enjoy the land and enjoy the blessings. And it's just going to be great. And you know what's going to happen in all of your prosperity when you eat and you're satisfied? You're going to forget God. And it sounds like that's what Hezekiah did. Is that after God has reversed his course and blessed his life and extended his life and his made him very prosperous, great riches. He doesn't return the benefit, but instead he becomes proud. And I think what's important for us to remember is that what God has done for us is supposed to help us point back to God, to remember him and to obey him. But unfortunately, what happens is a spiritual tragedy When we forget what God has done, we forget that all that God has accomplished for us. And when we forget what God has done, we become proud. And there are reasons why God has given us these kinds of markers to prick our hearts and remind us of what God has done from the Lord's Supper as an important reminder, the important image and symbol of baptism as a reminder of where you were and what you've been raised to and the new life you have. We're given these kinds of things that are put before us for God to say, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget the blessing you have. Don't forget why you're at where you're at. And it's unfortunate to see that what happened is that Hezekiah did that very thing. I think it'd be fair to say that what God had done in trying to have Hezekiah be healed so that he would serve God more, you could potentially say that the healing of Hezekiah was ultimately wasted. Because rather than the Babylonian messengers coming and Hezekiah saying, and the whole reason I'm alive today, and the whole reason that I have this storehouse of riches, and the whole reason this nation is what it is, is because God did that. He missed the moment and rather the healing then becomes wasted. And I want us just to think about our own life in this just really simple, but I think important lesson this evening is that to encourage us not to waste the healing and the blessings in our life that God has bestowed upon us. And to ask ourselves if we are willing to return the benefit, if we are willing to respond to the kindness that God has shown to us. This is such a big deal to God that I want you to think about how often the scriptures are never saying to us, I want you to do things just to do them, but rather because of what I've done, here's what I want you to do. Or to put it in the words of the chronicler, here's how to respond to the kindness. Here's how to return the benefit for what I've done for you. Like 1 John 4 and verse 19 that tells us we love 
Because he first loved us. Notice it's not, hey, you, you just need to love people and be quiet. <laughs> no, I loved you. Return the benefit. Respond to the kindness. Do this because of what God has done for you. What about, how about Romans 5? While we were enemies, while we were still sinners, and while we were helpless, Christ died for us. What's supposed to be the response? Respond to the benefit. Respond to the kindness that has been given to us. And so God is constantly telling us that. And I hope that we would just simply learn the lesson that comes from Hezekiah. That we can be tempted to forget God. In all of our prosperity and in all of our wealth. And I want to just ask a couple questions for you to think within yourself for a moment. How many times has God turned your darkness to light in your life? How many times has God carried you through the darkest valleys of life? How many times has he carried you through those moments that looked like there was no light at the end of the tunnel? How many times has he reversed your condition? How many times has he answered your prayer? How many times has he pulled you through? How many times has he blessed you? How many times has he come through for you when you needed it the most? April and I texted each other that this afternoon, actually, ironically enough. She texted something like, something happened for us. And she said, God always takes care of us. And I said, he definitely does. (laughs) Every single time. Every single time. And I think it's so important that we do not take these answered prayers and these blessings and forget him and become proud. And we think that we are excelling in this life because of us. I'm so smart. I make good decisions. I'm really intelligent. I know what I'm doing and it's me, 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 me. Rather than seeing that this is the hand of God. When we are proud, that means we've forgotten God. I would like that to be an important equation for this lesson for you tonight. When we act arrogant, we become filled with pride. That means one simple thing. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten all that he's done for us. We have forgotten all of the blessings. And I would ask us to make sure that we do not waste our salvation, not living in response to what God has done, that we would not waste our life by not living in the light of the healing and the restoration that we have experienced, that we wouldn't waste our blessings that God has richly put upon us, but rather return the benefit to respond to the kindness that has been shown to us because everything we have And everything that we enjoy truly, truly comes from God. I've heard it said many times in Bible classes, other places, in looking at the life of Hezekiah, somebody will say, boy, wouldn't it have been better if Hezekiah had not been given the additional 15 years? Look at what he did. What a huge mistake that happened. And I'd hate for any of us to ever look back at our life and go, All that God has done. What a mistake that he blessed us richly. 
or what a mistake that he's given us life or given us healing or whatever he's done to answer prayer that we would never look back going, boy, that was a huge mistake. It would have been better off to have not had that because I didn't respond to the kindness shown. I didn't respond in the way that God wanted. Don't forget God when he answers you. Don't forget God when you enjoy prosperity. I would end this by just saying, thank God, love God, and obey God. Unfortunately, glory falls when we don't return the benefit. And Hezekiah failed because he didn't return that very benefit. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, I, I'm, I'm afraid that so, so often we fail to see and we fail to appreciate all that you've done for us. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times we ever take for granted the salvation you have enacted in our lives. Forgive us that when we have forgotten that every material thing that we possess is because of you. Forgive us for when we forget that our ability to take care of ourselves, to make money, to enjoy the fruit of our labor is only because of you. Forgive us for when we forget that our life and our very being is in your hand. Forgive us for how we have allowed our riches to so often cause us to be comfortable and to take our eyes off of you. And Lord, I pray this evening that we would be strengthened in our faith so that we could work to return the benefit that you have shown to us. Help us to respond to the kindness that you have given to us. Help us to see it and never forget all that you've done for us. Let us never take it for granted. And God, prick our hearts when we do. Help us to see when we stray off of that. Forgive us for when we have pride. Forgive us for having arrogant hearts. Forgive us for when we think much of ourselves and forget that all the glory belongs to you. God, I feel like this is such an easy sin, and I pray not only for our forgiveness, but a great strength in our lives that we would see you in your hand in everything that we do so that we would not fall short of the glory that's to come. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for hearing our prayers and seeing our tears. In Jesus' name, amen. We will sing an invitation song. We do invite you to come to Jesus this very evening and respond to the forgiveness that's offered to you. If there's any way we can help you do that, won't you come and do that now uh, while we stand and while we sing?